Blog Talk Radio.
the strength to open our eyes. We were able to rise because you gave us strength and our limbs and the facilities of our body. We were able to get here, God, because you blessed us and brought us the way of safety and did not allow harm to come to us, Lord. We're grateful to again come into your presence. Because we know where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And as we come before you today, have your way, Lord. Let flesh be crucified, that you might be glorified, that your people might be edified in the name of Jesus. For God in you is life. And that's what we seek, God, life. Eternal life, God. We pray, O oh God, today that you will touch Every person that have come seeking you, Lord, bind the hand of the devil, God. Rebuke the hand of the enemy, Lord. God, let your anointing that resonates in this place even now. God, let there be an outpouring on your people. We need you, God, to take us to another level in you, Lord. God, we're faced with demonic forces, God. Evil spirits have come up against us, Lord, and we need to be fortified with your power. God, we can't make it on our own strength, God. We don't have enough to stand on, Lord. But we know, God, that your joy is our strength. Fill us up on today in the name of Jesus. Somebody have come this morning burdened down, God, with the issues of life, God. Somebody, God, is in the battle of their life. Somebody's, God, fighting in their mind and in their spirit, Lord, where the devil have come in to war against them, Lord. But we we thank you, God, because we know greater are you that's within us uh, than he that is within this world, God. Uh, we know, God, that you are a deliverer, Lord, uh, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, and you're no short of your promise, Lord. Uh, and you're able to deliver us, Lord. Uh, touch us on today, Lord. Uh, we need you like never before. Uh, fill us up with the Holy Ghost, God, uh, and give us a refilling, Lord, uh, that when we leave here today, Lord, huh? we can leave with your anointing, Lord, huh? that as we meet men and women, boys and girls, huh? they might be converted to know who you are, Lord. Huh? In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Huh? We thank you because you are a healer. Huh? You're the God that healeth thee, huh? and healing is in your wings, huh? and you're able to touch our feeble bodies. Huh? You're able to save our troubled souls, huh? and in the name of Jesus, huh? bind every demon, Lord, huh? every demonic force, Lord, huh? 
God, that comes to keep us in the same place, Lord. We're willing, God, to surrender and say yes to your will, Lord. We're willing to turn our lives, God, over into your hands, Lord, because we come to the place, God, where we realize like never before, we need you, Jesus. More than anything we know, we need you, Jesus. While men are trying to find, God, solutions to this chaotic world, God, we're looking to you, Lord, because we know for every right desire, there is an answer. And Jesus, you're that answer. There's no need for us, God, to turn hither or thither, Lord. We need but to look for you, Lord, because you're the answer, God, for our troubled lives, Lord. Touch on the day, God. Break every yoke, oh God. Save on the day, God. Deliver on the day, God. Jesus, we need you, Lord. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. We're crying out to you, Lord. We know that you're able to save our souls. We know that you're able, God, to heal our bodies, Jesus. We know that you're able, God, to turn our situations around. Jesus, no other help we know. No other help we know. No other help we know, God. You're able, Jesus, to deliver our children. You're able, Jesus, to save the unsaved husband. You're able, Jesus, to heal the cancer patient. Nothing too hard for you, Jesus. No other God we know. We know that you're able, Jesus. We know that you're able, Jesus. We say yes to your will, God. Yes to your way, Lord. Have your way, Jesus. And we'll thank you for it. And we'll give your name the praise. And we'll bless you, Lord. Yes, we thank you, Lord. And we bless your holy name. Come on, open your mouth and give the Lord some praise.
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Welcome to Jesus in the Morning. I'm your host, Evangelist Barbara Pittman of Freedom Doors Ministries, and I come to you live. Come to you live each weekday morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and today is May the 3rd, 2023. We're five months and three days yet into this new year, and so we thank God for another Wednesday morning. Uh, thank him for waking us up, closing our right mind. That's a big deal for me. That's a big deal. Uh, I have used an activity of limbs, life, health, and strength. And I thank him for all of these things, and we all should, because there are many who won't wake up today, couldn't wake up. They're already gone. There are those who can do nothing for themselves. There are many in the mental institutions. Yeah, yeah. Some haven't been admitted and walking around, don't have their own mind. The walking dead, yeah. They don't know Jesus for the pardon of their sins. So we thank God for what we have in him, yeah. What a friend we have in Jesus. A friend that sticks closer than a brother. All our griefs and sins, we banish stuff. Why? All because we do not carry every little thing to God in prayer. Yeah, we want to tell him about every little thing. Yeah. And I was intending to uh, talk about this earlier, but I uh, had some other things lined up and then some extra things jumped on board and I had to take care of that. But Dr. Charles Stanley, I love him. And uh, he passed away. And you know, he was ready to go, they tell me. He knew he was going, and he, you know, made sure he was prepared, and he did a last sermon and different things, you know, and uh, the last work, the last work that God would have him to do, he got it done, and he went on. He had to take his rest, and so today we're going to listen uh, to one of his messages, and it says that it's the best message that he ever preached. Now, I can't agree with that because I haven't heard every message that he spoke, you know, that God used him to bring to the people. But uh, he teach on a lot of things we needed to hear about fear and anger and all kind of things. And so we thank God that this help us because the word, the word of God, help us to stay with God daily. If you don't go to your job every day, you will no longer have that job. They got to get rid of you because you won't come to work. If you don't stay with God, you will no longer have him because you're going to be doing different than he would have you to do. So it's important that we stay in the word of God. Yeah. Yeah. He had a pretty good run. Yes, he did. 90 years old. 90. Lived to be 90 years old. Charles did something right in there. Yeah, that God extended his life, and I believe it was because he worked unto the Lord. He obeyed God. See, because that harvest is yet plenteous, but the labors are few. And we pray that the Lord of the harvest would send more labors, but we want to remember what he called and chose us uh, to do, uh, or called or chose us to do. Yeah. I was listening to uh, my niece explain to me that uh, when it's a murder, homicide, whatever they call it, it takes the sheriff's office about a week 
to finish up everything, sometimes a little longer. It could be two weeks before they finish up the investigation and this and that. And she said that they had so many bodies, they had to rent or buy some kind of freezers to put people in until they got around to them because it was so many people that had been killed. Isn't that something? I said, that's the way it was with COVID. All these people just dying, just dying. But when I look at this thing, I know it's closer to the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I was listening to Dr. Stanley this morning, thinking to myself, what happened in the world? People wanted too much more than they needed. People wanted too much more than was needed, yeah. All of this that they got in the school system now, that's that's much more than, than needed. And if I was a parent today with children in school, elementary, kindergarten, junior high, high school, I would take them out. I would homeschool them. Now, if I found a Christian school that had the right Christian values, I might consider that, but then I would have to go as often as I could and sit with my child to see what's being taught. But parents turn their children loose because they don't want to be bothered. A lot of them, oh, it's too much. All day I got to be bothered with little Timmy? No, you go to school and then so many hours a day, I'm away from you, and I don't have to deal with mama, mama, mama. I want a juice. I want cookies. I want water. Yeah, I don't have to deal with that. Just send them on to school. And they, they don't realize what they're doing to their children. And in a lot of cases where they call it the ghetto, uh, it's kind of like they don't care. And they support foolishness. He hit you, hit him back. No turn of the cheek, nothing. Try to avoid it. Bullies in school, and the school appear to not be able to control a bully. You put them out. The first day it happened, you put them out of there. Call the parents, come pick them up. They got to go. There's no sit-down meeting. He's a bully. And he's got to go. We can't have that kind of activity going on in here. We have other children, and we don't want this behavior to be duplicated, not in our school. But for some reason, these people don't do nothing. Everybody afraid of their job. If every principal did that, I don't think they would fire everybody. Matter of fact, they may not fire nobody. Because employees are very scarce today. They, they, they don't even have enough working for the sheriff's office, the hospital, the doctor's office. Plenty of places there's not enough people working. And if parents would stand up and when a child misbehaves, think they're behind, all parents do it. They don't have enough jails to put everybody. Mm-mm. 
And you can't discriminate against me to my I didn't have enough room to put everybody so some people out out on uh, bond until all of us should be out on bond until there's a court date for us. But we won't come together. We just let what go on go on and it's affecting our children. The children growing up becoming murderers before they turn 18. Television is ridiculous. They allow all these rap songs to come out and they teach the children to kill. And the people that's teaching them that, they never kill nobody in their life. And they're not going to kill anybody. There's not enough mentors to put the word out there. It takes a village to raise a child, they said, and to watch, you know, to see what's going on. But if we listen, if everybody could listen to some of the messages of Dr. Charles Stanley, that would be a great change in their lives. This man stood and took his time and taught the word of God. I get a little excited, a little emotion, and I yell, and it sounds like I'm fussing. But I never heard him do that. I always heard him stand what we call flat feet and just explain everything. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm telling you, I get too excited because of what God has done for me, what God is doing for me, uh, uh, what he's going to do for me, what he's doing for you. Yeah, I get excited. Some things that I, I might yell a little bit. It sounds, yeah, I'm loud. I'm, I'm talking too fast. Yeah, because it's coming out of me because I'm grateful too unto the Lord for his word. For again this morning, his word is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. And forever, oh God, that word is settled in heaven. It'll never change. It's settled in heaven, a holy place. So it won't become evil. Hallelujah. So we thank God this morning for Dr. Charles Stanley, his legacy, his legacy, his life, 90 years old. Thank God for places he's been. He started off as Pentecost, and I think he ended up Southern Baptist, they call it. Yeah. But nonetheless, it made no different way, way at or what he was, you know, if he had Jesus. And I know him for standing, teaching the truth. Yeah. So I thank God. Okay, okay. Brother Lewis said when they had cable. I used to have cable too, Brother Lewis. <laughs> he said you, you used to watch Dr. Stanley on TV. Yeah. And I'm sure there are a few of us who may have uh, watched him on TV, you know, as he spoke like we did Dr. Uh, I mean, like we did uh, Bishop D.E. Patterson. Yeah, he used to preach on TV on Sunday morning. I used to catch him before I went to church. So, yeah, uh, I think Dr. Stanley had a radio ministry as well. Yeah. And so he had TV and radio, and uh, I, I get all his messages over on YouTube. And so I just enjoy listening to the message because it brings me in a place where I need to be. And that's what the word should do. If the word don't convict you, something is wrong. If every time a message of God comes and you find yourself in every word that he sent the preacher to say, 
something wrong. You shouldn't be here. You're perfect. You're not striving for perfection no more. You already made it. But every time I hear the word of God in there somewhere, it convicts me. And I'm looking, can I find myself in here? Yeah, because the word is supposed to straighten us up. The word is supposed to put something on our minds that we want to change. We shouldn't go back like we come. We shouldn't just hear and not apply it to our everyday life. But some of us, we hold it on to our flesh, and we got to learn to let that flesh go. It'll get you in trouble. The flesh will cause you to go to hell. I'm just telling you the truth. But the words say, don't do it. Your flesh say, go ahead and do it. You can't stop that. That feel good to you. How you going to stop doing that? Yeah. Yeah, and the flesh talks to us too. <laughs> With his craving for wrongdoing. With his craving for wanting us to sin. Yeah. And I tell you, it, it's no good thing in that flesh. We're going to one more uh song of the morning, one more request, and then when we're coming back, I want to read a little something about Dr. Charles Stanley.
searching for a heart that will love him. Longing for a child that will give him their own, you know. He wants it all. Hallelujah, Miss Forever Jones. He want it all today. He don't want to wait on your decision and you turn into him, he wants you to do it today. So this is the piece I found on um, Dr. Charles Stanley. Uh, his middle name is Frazier, Dr. Charles Frazier Stanley, one of the best known Southern Baptist preachers of the 20th century. Died April 18 at age 90. Yeah, that was just last month uh, he passed away. Raised in the Pentecostal tradition, Sander was ordained to ministry by Southern Baptist Church as a young man, then attended a Southern Baptist seminary before launching into a career of service to the Southern Baptist Church. I mean, Southern, yeah, Southern Baptist Convention churches. The pinnacle of his influence in the denomination came with his election as the Southern Baptist Church president in 1984 and again in 1985. Pivotal years in the so-called conservative resurgence in the nation's largest non-Catholic denomination. The primary reason Southern Baptist fundamentalist leaders recruited Stanley for that role is that he transcended uh, the Southern Baptist Church like no preacher other than Billy Graham. The reach of his in-touch ministries made him a household name in evangelical circles worldwide. The radio and television broadcast originally called the Chapel Hour was renamed In Touch with Dr. Charles Stanley in 1978 when the Christian Broadcasting Network added the Atlanta preacher to its new satellite distribution network. According to the information from InTouch, the broadcast, the broadcast grew 16,000 local viewers to a nationwide audience in just one week. Stanley was the country's largest serving pastor with a continuous weekly broadcast program. And it go on and on and on and on and on because this man did great work. Yeah, he did great work. And so we thank God that we got the opportunity uh, to have this kind of preacher in our midst. Yeah. And so we're thankful unto him. So look, we're going in to take a listen to him this morning and uh, hear what his message is, hear what scriptures he's coming from, and that kind of thing. It just said that best a sermon ever. It didn't give it a title, you know, Ron John Ron, whatever. It just, you know, told me that. So I, I listened to it, and I was really blessed. So I feel like you'll be blessed by this message as well this morning. Uh, we, you know, we try to hold on until 8 o'clock and bring him in. Uh, the messenger, if it's live, you know, a live person, we try to do it by 7.30. So I'm going to one more 
uh, song of the morning. And uh, let God be God today. Yeah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, great. 
In a world filled with noise and distractions, one man's voice rose to exceptional levels, captivating millions with his profound wisdom and love for God. Praise God. As you may already know, Dr. Charles Stanley, a beacon of light and truth, preached countless sermons that resonated deeply with people around the globe. In this video, we will share one of his most popular sermons, which has been received by over 10 million souls. In this life-changing sermon, it was revealed that our thoughts hold incredible power over our lives. The Bible tells us in Philippians 4 verse 8, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. With passion and conviction, Dr. Stanley encouraged us to examine our beliefs, question the sources of our thoughts, and reclaim authority over our minds. He drew from timeless truths and reflects on his own spiritual journey as he empowered us to conquer doubts, fears, and negativity. It's no wonder this sermon became one of Dr. Stanley's most popular, touching hearts and transforming lives. Recently, we faced the bittersweet reality of his passing, but his teachings live on as a testament to his unwavering faith and understanding of the human soul. Even though we mourn his loss, we find comfort in knowing that his words will continue to guide and inspire generations to come. Now let's listen to Dr. Charles Stanley as he delivers one of his most powerful and most popular messages. Our mind is the control tower of our life. Whatever happens in our life starts right here. All of our decisions are there. And the truth is, whatever we are today is the result of what we've been thinking about all those years. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So if you don't like what's going on around you, maybe you should ask yourself the question, what am I thinking about? What do I think about myself? What do I think about other people? Because what we think about is really what controls us. For example, our relationship to God, our relationship to each other, our sense of direction in life, whatever we accomplish, our failures in life, all of that is a result of the way we think. And oftentimes we forget that that this is the control tower, that everything else is a result of how we think, that we can't control everybody else in control of all of our circumstances, but we are going to respond to circumstances in one way or the other. And so when I think about uh, how this affects us, I think about the fact that many people are where they are because of wrong thinking, and so they don't like where they are. Other folks are where they are because of right thinking because they've been thinking the right way. What you have to ask is this, what is it that determines what I think? Is it the Word of God, or is it something else I read, something else that I watch? And I think about how many people sit down and open their mind to a television program, or to the news, or whatever it might be, not realizing they are sitting there being programmed in their mind to think a certain way. You say, well, does that include preaching too? Yes. And I want you 
to listen carefully because I want you to be programmed to think the way God thinks, programmed to understand the Word of God, programmed in such a way that you live in a fashion that's pleasing and honorable to God, and that the very best that God has for your life, you'll be able to experience that, yes. But on the other hand, you're watching some program that's full of sensuality or just crime and all of these movies and so forth that you see and programs that I don't watch them. I can't name them, but I can tell you a lot of it is just pure junk that you do not need in your mind, in your thought life, and certainly as a part of your life. So what I want to talk about in this message is controlling our thoughts because this controls everything. And that's where our thoughts are from. So if you'll turn in your Bible to Colossians chapter 3, and I want us to read these first eight verses and look at this. Then I want to answer the question, how do we control our thoughts, which determines our life? And Paul begins in this particular chapter, and he says, for example, Therefore, that is based on what he's been talking about, If you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, that is when he comes, then you also will be revealed, come with him in glory. Therefore, watch this, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it's because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you also put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth, and so on he goes. So I want us to look at this passage for a moment, and I'm going to come back to it till the end of the message. But notice what he says, Therefore, if you've been raised up, what in the world does that mean? When you were saved, it's as if the Bible says, you died to your old way of life, and you rose to walk in newness of life. That's what baptism pictures. You died to your old way of life, you're buried in Christ Jesus, risen to walk in newness of life. And he says, therefore, keep seeking, since this is a new life, Keep seeking the things above, spiritual things. That doesn't mean that you forget everything that's in this life. We have responsibilities and joys and whatever it may be. But keep seeking those things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God so you understand the quality of those things. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth, which is an awesome statement. Set your mind. You're going to set it on something. Set it on things above, things that are holy and righteous and good and godly and helpful. For you've died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That is, you died your old way of life. When you said, I'm trusting Jesus as my Savior, you didn't just say, well, I just want to add Jesus to my present life and I'll keep going. Now, this is what people do when they're living in areas of idolatry. And uh, they have all kind of idols in their house. And uh, unless they fully understand... What they do when you explain Jesus to them, they say, oh, yes, and they've got a God to this, they've got an idol to this God, this God, this God, and they want to know what kind of idol they put up here, Jesus, and add to their religion. No, 
When you trusted Jesus, you died to your old way of life. And when Christ, who is our life, is revealed when he comes, then you also will be revealed to come with him in glory. Now watch this next verse. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to illicit sex, to moral impurity of all sorts, passion, that is that drive within you that causes you to do things that are not right. And he says, evil desires, greed, which amounts to idolatry. And in those days, in which you'll find in the scripture, oftentimes when the Bible talks about uh, immorality, he also talks about greed because he puts them together. And in the days in which uh, Paul was writing uh, to the Colossians and to the Romans and so forth, that Roman society, uh, uh, idolatry and sensuality were all sort of mixed up together. They're gods and they had prostitutes in the, in the temples and so forth. And so it was all a mixture. So he says it's because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them, watch this, in them you also once walked, that's past, when you were living in them. That is, that was your lifestyle. Then he says, but now you also put them all aside that is, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech. That is, you, you change. So it's, it's time to put away the things that don't fit your new life in Christ Jesus. Now, I'm going to come back to that and show you something about that passage in a few moments. But I want to see, I'm going to give you three ideas, three points to this message. And I want to end up with the last one being, how do I control this control tower of my life. How to control my thoughts? Is it possible to do so? But the first point is simply this. The pathway to controlling our thoughts begins with an understanding of our relationship to Jesus Christ. You don't understand that, you'll never understand this idea of controlling your thoughts. That's where it all begins. Because he says here, we were raised up with Christ Jesus, referring to our salvation. There was a change that took place when you were saved. And as a result of that, God intended for our thinking to change, our mind to change, because this, this mind of yours controls everything else in your life. You say, well, what about all the other parts of my life? We're, we respond to the way we think. And so if we think right, we're going to have one response. We think wrongly, we're going to have another. Very important that we understand how that works. So this requires me to understand how to control my thoughts. If I want to think right, if I want to think godly, if I want to think holy, if I want to think righteously, right here is where it starts. And many people lose it right here. They don't think right. They don't think godly. They don't think like they're worth anything. And they say, well, you know, I just never had the opportunity or I just never will be that or I'm just this and I'm not that. And this is why people who are very beautiful can think they're ugly. And people who are very skinny can think they're fat. And they refuse to eat because they think, they look in the mirror and they don't see what's reality. And so your mind controls every aspect of your life. In fact, what you think determines how you live. What you think determines how your relationship to God, as we said, your relationship to others, your relationship to yourself. And many people start out in life defeated because of the influence of their parents, their grandparents, that tell them they'll never amount to anything. 
oh, this is wrong with them, or that's wrong with them. And as a result, they go through life, what? Having heard, written in their minds, impressed in their thinking, if my mama said it, my daddy said it, and my grandmother said it, it must be true, therefore. And oftentimes people are ruined as a result of what they have been taught or what, they have been or what they've heard from someone that they value very highly. So with that in mind, I want to come to the second point, which is the challenge to controlling our thoughts. Because once you're saved, as I say, your environment's the same. It could even get worse. But we're to live godly in an ungodly society, in an ungodly environment, and some people's environment's worse than others. I think about people who grew up in families. They get saved. Nobody else in the family is a Christian. The family uses foul language. They never read the Bible. They drink. They carouse. Maybe unfaithful to each other. All kind of things. And here's this godly life that now is surrounded by very ungodly circumstances. And I think about some situations and people that I've met, and they tell me where they've come from and how God has worked in their life and how they live where they live and the circumstances they live in. It is very difficult for them, especially unless they're trained, unless they're taught. And I think oftentimes people go to church year after year after year and nobody tells them or explains to them or helps them understand this is the way you think. And you can only think this way if certain things are true. And so this morning my goal is simply this, to say there are challenges to thinking godly. But thinking godly is absolutely essential to our success in life, learning to live with ourselves and learning to live with others and accomplishing whatever God has in mind for us. And uh, when I think about that, I think about two verses of Scripture, for example. Turn to Second uh, Corinthians for a moment. And look in this, um, look in this um, fourth chapter of 2 Corinthians and the fourth verse. He says in this fourth verse, he says, speaking of the gospel and so forth, he says in verse 3, Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbeliever so that they may not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Watch this. Satan blinds the mind of the unbeliever so that they can't, don't want to, have no desire to see the truth. If you turn to the 11th chapter of 2 Corinthians and look, if you will, in the third verse. Now, he blinds the minds of the unbeliever, but listen to what he says in the third verse. But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. He blinds the minds of the, of the unbeliever and he deceives believers. This is why people who profess to be Christians oftentimes live a life that we know is absolutely not biblical because they're deceived. Well, so-and-so says it's okay or so-and-so says it's all right. They're deceived by what they hear, by what they see, about what they feel. So Satan works. He doesn't work on your toe, your leg, or somewhere else. He works in your mind. It's the battlefield in every person's life. It, whatever goes on right here is going to affect every single aspect of your life. And so this is why it's so important and why Paul is talking about it here. And so what happens is uh, Satan working in your mind will enable you to recall things that happened years and years and years ago. 
Maybe things that were bad, something somebody did to you, somebody molested you, somebody uh, mistreated you, whatever it might be, it's still there. You, you can keep recalling it, and when you recall it, it's a bad feeling. And so we have the power to recall. But if that mind is filled with things that are unpleasant, ungodly, or as Hebrews says here, we've been blinded and so forth, then we suffer the results. And so the mind is very important and can be easily deceived by the devil unless you fill it with the truth of the Word of God. And I'm not talking about just reading the Bible once in a while, which we'll, we'll see in just a few moments. So when I think about this and I think about what is a reprobate mind, a reprobate mind is one, watch this carefully, that has looked at life, looked at particular sin in their life and decided that's what I want. That's what I'm going to do, and I'm giving myself to that no matter what somebody else says or what anybody else likes. They can say anything they want to say. That's what I want to do, and that's what I'm going to do, and it is something that the Scripture teaches very specifically, that it's an act of disobedience to God. When you give yourself over to a particular sin, and you say, that's what I'm going to do, that's the way I'm going to live, then what you have is a reprobate mind. It starts right here. Only you can decide that about yourself. A reprobate mind. I remember one of my friends who had been um, a head of the, the Baptists in a particular uh, state where I was, and uh, he and I were good friends. And I remember one day we were eating lunch, and he said, um, I remember he was down a little bit that day, and I asked him what was going on. He said, you know, uh, he was in the service, and he was in another country, and he was there, over there for a pretty good while. He said, you know, I don't want to tell you what, but he said, uh, in those few years, I think he was there about three years, he said, I did a lot of things, I saw a lot of things, I experienced a lot of things. He said, I just sort of did what I wanted to do. And he said, now these years have passed by, and I'm in the ministry, and I'm still suffering the results of my sins because somehow I can't get them out of my mind. He said, because I was so indulged to myself in those three years of doing what I wanted to do or what I thought I wanted to do, he said, it has hampered me ever since. So I'll just say this to you. It makes a difference what you think. And you may think it today and think, well, it's not going to ever happen or it's not going to hinder me in the future. What you th Watch this. What you think is imprinted on your mind. Well, how long does it take you to forget it? It may not take you but two weeks to forget it, but remember this. It is still in your mind. This is why things crop up in your thinking that you hadn't thought about in years and years and years and years. Then on the other hand, something happens this morning. You can't remember it. So the mind is a strange thing, but one thing about it, whatever you put in there is there to stay until Jesus delivers you from it. So the mind is a powerful part of your body, and the truth is, your life is an expression of what you think. If you don't like what you're thinking, you can change your thinking. You say, well, now, I don't know that I can change my thinking. Yes, you can. For example, if you're angry, you, don't, you, you can lay it down. If you feel that you're a nobody full of unworthiness, you can lay it down. If you are jealous of somebody, you can lay it down. And we could just go through a whole list of pride and, and criticism, rejection, fear, and greed. All of these things that people feel, they can lay it down if they choose to. Now, if you don't think you can and you're just convinced you can't, you say, well, I've thought this for years and years and years. Remember this one thing. Are you listening? Say amen. You have the Holy Spirit. 
living in you as a believer. When you trusted Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit came to live in your life. And remember what Jesus called him. He said, I'm going to send the Helper. And when he comes, he'll be in you, with you, and upon you. You and I, who are believers, trusted Christ as our Savior, we have the Holy Spirit living within us. And one of his responsibilities is to, as a helper is to enable us, that is, in our thinking, to bring back to our minds what we think and how we think, and to help us to remember Scripture and so forth. But he's there to be a helper and to help us to think right about God, about Jesus, about our life, about others, about ourselves. He is our helper, so you can walk away. You do not have to keep remembering things that you say, well, you just said it'll be there. It doesn't mean you have to remember it. It doesn't mean you have to bring it back. When somebody says to me, well, I can't help myself, yes, you can. Yes, you can help yourself. And I've lived long enough to know the times when I thought I couldn't help myself, finally God got through to me and said, yes, you can. You are responsible for what you think and how you think it. Because as a believer, you have the Spirit of God living within you to enable you to think right. But it's important we understand what God says and how he says it. So I want you to think about this, and this will be on the screen so you can jot it down if you'll do it quickly. And simply this. We sow a thought and reap an action. We're going to respond. We sow an action, reap a habit, because we keep sowing the same action. We sow a habit and reap a character, because habits in our life determine our character. We sow a character, we become something, we reap, we reap a destiny. This is who we are and this is our future. And then remember this idea. Unseen thoughts produce visible consequences. Unseen thoughts produce visible consequences in our life. In other words, whatever we think, nobody else in the world knows exactly what you think. But the way you think is going to be visible at some point or the other. And if you feel unworthy, you feel like nobody cares, nobody loves you, it's going to be visible upon your face. You're not going to have any peace or joy or happiness. You think nobody really cares for you. It's going to show. It's going to be a part of your life. But it came from your thinking. Don't think less of yourself than God thinks and he died for you. No matter what somebody else says about you, you are a child of God once you've trusted Christ as your Savior. So we're the ones who determine what we're going to be and so forth because it's the way we think. And this is why people can come from nowhere, the worst kind of situations, circumstances. You'd think they'd never amount to anything in their life, and they excel, excel, excel beyond even their imagination. What? They started thinking rightly about themselves and about the Lord and about His place and position in their life. So unseen thoughts produce visible consequences in their life. Now, I say all of that to get around to saying this. How do we control our thoughts? How do we control them? Well, when the thought comes to your mind, uh, one of several things you're going to do. You're going to accept that thought, and you're going to express it in some fashion. Or you may just wrestle with it for a while. Or you may deny it. And this is the way Satan will defeat you. If you're thinking something and you deny it, it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. So you can accept it and express it. You can wrestle with it, deny it, or you can control it. 
because you have the Holy Spirit working within you, you can control what you think. And that's, if I'm going to control my thinking, I have to understand that. You have within you the power of the Spirit of God to enable you to think rightly. If you find, for example, yourself, somebody on your job, you don't like them, you don't want to be around them, you can change your thinking about them. You say, well, how can I change my thinking about them when I think that? Well, you can say, Frank, first of all, you know, God created them. He loves them. And I could talk you out of being bad toward them right now. In other words, if you just think about, you think about people the way you choose to think. And we are the products of our choices and how we handle these things in our life. Now, one of the ways you overcome uh, whatever that sin is in your life or whatever's going on, one of the ways you overcome this thinking is by asking yourself some very impacting questions. Not just questions, but questions that will make a difference in your life. And I would just encourage you to write these down. You ask yourself these questions about whatever you're thinking, and the first question you ask is this. Where will these thoughts lead me? Where will these thoughts lead me? If I keep thinking the same thing, well, it'll, it'll lead, it's going to lead you somewhere. Very important question. If I keep thinking this, where is it going to lead me? Another question is, wh will these thoughts get me where I want to go? Then you have to decide, where do I want to go? Where do I want to go in life? Well, what I'm thinking get me where I want to go. And if you say, I'm just not important, I'm a nobody, I don't have any gifts and talents and skills in life, and give yourself a lot of excuses, you won't get anywhere. So you have to ask yourself the question, if I keep thinking this, where will this get me in life? Then ask yourself the question, are these thoughts scripturally acceptable? In other words, let's say, for example, you're sitting in front of the TV and something comes along, you know it's not right. And the world is full of pornography. And pornography is the world's photography. They have diluted the truth, and they put all kind of stuff out there for people to watch. And you ask yourself the question, are these thoughts scripturally acceptable? And here's somebody committing some sexual act on television or, or whatever you may watch. Uh, are these things acceptable scripturally? No, they're not. Then you shut it down, cut it off. You, you, in other words, you don't watch. You do not have to watch what you know is not right. You shut it down. Somebody says, but I'm so weak. You're weak because you're talking about being weak. You don't have to be weak. You have the Spirit of God within you who will enable you to do whatever is necessary to overcome whatever is there. So what you do, what we're doing is giving these questions and saying, let's look at reality. What's reality? Reality is... Uh, where will these thoughts lead me? I have to answer that question. Will these thoughts get me where I want to go? I need to answer that question. Are these thoughts scripturally acceptable? I can answer that. Will these thoughts build me up or tear me down? And they're going to do one of the two. They're not neutral. Our thoughts are going to build us up or tear us down. When you sit through this message, these thoughts ought to build you up, not tear you down. When you look and listen to stuff that you know is not right, ungodly, unscriptural, sensual, whatever it might be, you know the real truth is they're going to tear you down spiritually. So you have to decide whether you're going to watch, look, or listen, or listen to your friends or whatever they're saying, because they're going to have some impact in your life. And then, 
could I share these thoughts with someone else? Whatever you're thinking, could you share with somebody else? Or is that one of those thoughts that no, you couldn't? Well, I'm not saying you should tell everybody everything you know in life about yourself or whatever it might be, but on a daily basis, what I'm thinking, could I share with somebody else? And they'll tell you where you are in your thinking. And then, where did these thoughts originate? And some thoughts did not, not originate with the Word of God. They did not originate in heaven. They did not originate in godly living. They did not originate in anything that's holy. And they did not originate in anything that is good for you. So when you analyze the thoughts, where did this come from? Why am I thinking this? Uh, what's, what's the source of this? What is this going to do in my life? Watch this. All of those questions, you have the right and the power to answer for your life. Nobody else can answer them for your life. You have the power to answer them for your life. And we're just talking about how you think about yourself and the power of your thoughts. And you just think just these questions alone. And then the question is, do I feel guilty thinking these thoughts? Well, you know the answer to those things. You know, for example, if you thought about taking something that didn't belong to you, uh, how would you think about it? You should feel guilty. If you don't feel guilty, you have a major problem. Then you need to think a little deeper. Have I ever been saved? Uh, where, where, what's going on in my life? So we said your thought life is in your mind. This is the control tower of your life. And because it is, we make the decisions and we suffer the consequences or we glean the blessing of making right decisions in life. Whether it's about money or whether it's about marriage or whether it's about sex or friendship, relationships. Here's where it all starts. And this, this, this is going to control your life. And the truth is, all of us up to this point in our life, where we are is a result of how we've been thinking all these years. So have you been thinking about yourself all these years? Have you been thinking about God? Have you been thinking about the Lord? Have you been thinking about your friends, your relationships, about our nation? In other words, how do you, what are you thinking about all that? And you see, you can't take your mind out and put somebody else's in there except Jesus. When he says we have the mind of Christ, that if, watch this, when you trusted Jesus as your personal Savior, he gave us the power to think the way he thinks. That doesn't mean we'll be as wise as he is or that we'll have all the knowledge that he has, but he gives us the right and the power to think godly as his creations. So we have the power to think right. We have the gift of Almighty God and someone to protect us in the process. Then you might ask yourself this question. Watch this. Do these thoughts fit who I am as a follower of Jesus? Do these thoughts fit who I am as a follower of Jesus? If not a follower of Jesus, anything goes. That once I trust Christ as my Savior, that some thoughts don't fit you. There's some thoughts that do not fit you once you trust Christ as your Savior. They don't fit you. Once you trust the Lord Jesus as, as the Lord of your life, they don't fit you any longer. And so you and I make choices based on, watch this, who we see ourselves to be. A follower of Jesus Christ. And therefore, there's some things that don't fit us. There's some places that don't fit you. There's some words that don't fit you. There's some thoughts that don't fit you. 
There's some clothes that don't fit you. There's some actions and attitudes and habits that do not fit us once we trust Christ as our Savior. This is why the Bible says, Come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. I'm to think different. And if I think differently, I'm going to act differently and probably going to look differently if I'm following Jesus instead of the world. We're in deeper trouble than we realize because after you go to a certain point and then you decide that you wanna, you're going you're gonna to change, how long do you think it would take for us to change our views in this country of sex? How long do you think it would take or could you think it could ever be possibly turned around? That's just one aspect. But honesty and truthfulness, where is truth? Where is honesty? Where is purity? Where is godliness? The things that made us the nation we are. We've decided, and I'm going to show you a little contrast here in a moment. We've decided between two choices. And the choices we are making are choices that are destructive in their nature. And remember this, you can't change this. We reap what we sow, more than we sow, later than we sow, and it's getting very late. Now, what I want to do is I want us to compare the difference between true, genuine love and lust. And uh, those thoughts, are, they, they come from the control tower. How do we think? And so I want you to jot these down because oftentimes you'll hear people say, well, I got in trouble because he or she said they really love me, and if they love me, they'd go to bed with me, and so now I'm pregnant, and on and on and on we go. I want you to think about how many precious little children are born in America without a father. It is a tragedy of tragedies in this country that sex is so important that nobody seems to care about. Well, the consequences. So, I want us to, I want to give you a little example of the difference between love and lust. So I'm going to have a chart. I'm going to put it up on the board in just a moment. And love is an awesome blessing of God. And lust is something totally different. But when somebody says, put it this way, if somebody wants something from you, and they say, well, look, I love you. Well, here's some things for you to think about. Love is, listen, love is, uh, is from God. Lust is from the world. Now, remember that lust, listen, lust is desire out of control. That's what lust is. It's out of control. It gets stronger and stronger and stronger unless you deal with it. So, you have to decide, is this love or lust? Love can wait, and lust has got to have it now. I think about people who get themselves in a position. This is why you have to watch where you go. Watch what you watch. Be careful who you... In other words, you have to be careful about choosing your friends. Well, if you love me, you would do thus and so. No, if I loved you, I wouldn't dare do it. If I loved you, I would not touch you. If I loved you, no, I wouldn't think that. If I loved you, I won't, because lust is destructive. Love is selfless. Not thinking about itself, but it's, listen, lust is selfish. I want what I want because that's what I want. It's all about me. Lust is all about me, not about love, not about the other person. 
Love, for example, is giving. Now, you'll hear people say, uh, well, um, in fact, if you recall, probably almost half a generation ago, maybe a generation ago, we heard a lot about free love. So I want you to listen carefully. There is no such thing as free love. No such thing. Let's start with the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is free, but it cost Jesus his life on the cross. There's nothing free. It's free to us now by faith, but it cost Jesus his life. And true, genuine love has a price tag. It's not free. If you love somebody, you may have to sacrifice. You love somebody, you may have to give. You love somebody, you may have to be... In other words, it, it, there are lots of different ways that love can cost you something. So free love, that's what the world talks about. And usually if they're talking free love, they're talking drugs and other things that go with that because they've given themselves over to a lie. They have been deceived by the devil in their thinking. So love is giving and lust is taking. I want this, I want that. Love is purity. And lust is sin. It's just that clear. Disobedience. Love develops and lust destroys. Destroys relationships, destroys families, destroys people, you name it. It's a destroyer. Lust is a destroyer because lust says, I've got to have it, I want it. And this is why people commit all kind of crimes. They want something and they want it now. And then, of course, the difference is that love is peaceful and lust is full of anxiety. Lust creates anxiety. And love is peaceful. Lust is anxious. I want it now. I have to have it now. And that's their attitude. Now, we have to choose to obey the commands of Christ. And that's going to take us back to uh, our scripture we read a few moments ago uh, in these first few verses. Because if I'm going to live a godly life, and I'm going to make my mind the control tower that I want it to be, I have to be obedient to God's Word. So when we talk about what he says in a few moments, we're not talking about just a little Bible reading here and there. So listen carefully. And what I want to do is I want to go through the Scriptures and give you a little insight into what uh, Paul says that's not always there in English, but it's there in the language in which he wrote it. And so when he says, for example, uh, let's look at this uh, first verse. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, he says, keep seeking. Now, he uses, he uses a form of the verb that says, keep seeking, continually seek, and habitually do it. That is, keep seeking is to keep on doing it. Not just once, but it's, it's a lifestyle. You read the Word of God, you habitually, and you are continually keeping the Word of God before you. It's a part of your life. You feast on it, it's a part of your diet. And he says, speaking of seeking those things above, what's he talking about? He's talking about, for example, when he says where Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. Seeking things above doesn't mean that I don't have any more relationships and then I get holy and holy and I don't think about anything else. No, it means that I've set my mind on things that are pleasing to the Father. 
Keep seeking those things above. That is, what did Jesus teach? So if I want to keep seeking things above, I'm going to find out what he said and how he lived and how he said I'm to live. And I'm going to keep, he says, habitually do it. And no matter who you are, the devil will see to it that you don't remember much if you don't read the scriptures continually. I don't mean every single day, all day. I mean, when he says, keep seeking those things above, that is, well, here's what he's saying. Make uppermost in your thinking. Make a big part of your thinking what God thinks. Keep thinking on those things above, where Christ is seated at the Father's right hand. And what kind of thinking is that? Jesus is always thinking concerning us personally in your life. He's thinking, what's best for you? What's best for you this morning? What's best for you in your job? What's best for you with your friends? What's best for you how you spend your money? What's best, what's best, what's best for you? He says, keep seeking those things above at the throne of God. And then he says, not only that, set your mind. And both of these use a form of the verb, uh, which means habitually and continually set your mind on things above. That is, as believers, followers of Jesus, we die to the old way of life. And so we should be thinking God's thoughts. What does he think? How does he want us to think? How does he want us to live? And in the process of doing so, remember this. When you're thinking his thoughts, you're thinking the most powerful thoughts there are. When you're thinking his thoughts, you're thinking and beginning to see what he's thinking about you. And when you focus on what God thinks about you, that he loves you, that he's forgiven you, that he cares for you, that he wants the best for you, things begin to happen in your life. And that's why he says, seek habitually, continually. And he says, seek, and then he says, set your mind. Then he says, you've died. Now watch this. Here's the difference. When he says, seek and uh, set your mind, he says, seek and set your mind habitually. When he says, you died, you died in your old way. That is, you were saved once. And then habitually seeking and setting your mind on Christ like, like something that goes on continuous in your life. So why does he say that? Because he wants us to think the way God wants us to think. And so we can see what that's all about when we read the Word of God. Then he says, consider the members of your body dead to these thoughts. Now, he uses another term, uh, form of the verb here, when he says, put it to death. Notice how he says it. He says, therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead. Watch this. Dead to immorality, dead to impurity, dead to passion, strong, insatiable desire, evil desires, greed. Put, put them to death. You say, well, what does that mean? Here's what it means. Let's say, for example, that um, you just have this, you just got to have more money, and you, or maybe, you've, maybe you've seen something you've just got to have, you've got to have, you've got to have it. Well, what do you do? You can wrestle with it. You can just go ahead and express it. Uh, or you can, you can put it to death. You can control it. Watch this. The Spirit of God within you will enable you to lay it down. You do not have to fulfill temptation. If you had to, it would be an absolute awesome gross mistake on the part of God that He's asking me to do something He knows that I absolutely can't do it. But we have the Holy Spirit. Now, if, you're, if you don't have your mind on the things of God, this is why he says, set your mind on the things of God. Keep, listen, keep them habitually before you. 
So when Satan attacks you, you've got ammunition. One of them is, I don't have to do that. Thank you, Jesus, that you've given me the strength to say no to sin and to obey you. Now watch this. If you say, well, I've got to think about it, that, Satan loves that. Because what happens when you say, I'm just, well, I've got to think about it, uh, where are you thinking? Right here. Where's Satan working? Right here. This is a battlefield. Your hands, your feet, nothing else a battlefield. The battlefield's right here. And so you decide your victory or defeat in your mind. And your feet and your hands travel where your mind has already gone. You set your mind on somebody or something or some place. You set your mind on that. And you keep thinking about that, thinking about it, and thinking about it. Next thing you know, listen, your mind is not on there, but your feet, you're there. Your feet are going to travel where you set your mind. And so, therefore, we have to guard what we think. Then he says, consider the members of your body dead to all of these things. And so he says, these things we once walked in. This is the way we once walked back yonder. But remember, we died to that. If somebody died and we brought the casket right in here and set it down here, it could be a $100,000 casket. You know what? They're dead. And you can do anything you want. You can take the coffin top off. You can talk to them, sing to them, shout, holler, yell. And you know what? They're not going to move because they're dead. And there are things in life and there are times in life when you and I need to be just as dead to what we've seen or what we've heard. Remember this. Satan will bring back what you've seen, heard, felt, touched, experienced, you name it. And so what do we do? Sir? Put that to death. Thank you, Jesus. That's not, that, that doesn't fit who I am. So we say no. And you can say no. And somebody says, but I, I'm so weak. Listen, when you, here's, watch this. When you say I'm weak, you have, you have just sided up with the devil. I am weak. And Satan says, that's right. Say it again. Say it again. I'm weak. No, you're not weak. You choose to think it at the moment, but you have the power of God within you to make a wise decision. Then when he says, for example, watch this, and I just love this. He says, the word of Christ richly dwells in you. In the third chapter, look at the, look at the third chapter in the 16th verse. Let the word of Christ richly dwell in, within you with all wisdom. Look at this with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts. Look at what, a, what an awesome thing that is. He says, let the word of Christ richly dwell in you. And I love this Greek word. The word is plusios. And here's what it means. It means extravagantly. Let the word of God, when he says richly, extravagantly dwell in you. That is, you've got the word of God. In other words, you, you can't think about much without quoting some scripture or, or thinking about some scripture or the Spirit of God will bring to your mind some verse of scripture. He says, let it dwell within you. He says, he says extravagantly, which means if it's going to dwell in me extravagantly, it's going to have a powerful effect on my life. But secondly, it's not going to dwell extravagantly in me by just reading it once in a while. So please don't raise your hand on this question. How many of you take your Bible home? I know that wouldn't be true of you. Take your Bible home after service and close it till next Sunday. Surely nobody in this congregation would do that. Amen? 
Well, some of you don't sound very convincing. Amen? Amen. You wouldn't do that. You know, that's not filling your mind abundantly. And as he says in this passage so beautifully, he says extravagantly. The Word of God filling our mind and heart. So that, what? We have this awesome resource. Listen, when you do that, you know what God thinks about everything that you confront. Every aspect of your life. You know what he says. And listen, when it's overflowing in you, when, when the word of truth is overflowing in you, you come against anything, no matter what it might be, what happens, you know what the right response is. And if it's overflowing in you, then what happens is you sense the strength and the power of God to help you in that situation, no matter what it is. But you just read the Bible once in a while. When I think about that word, richly, extravagantly overflowing in you, that ought to be our lifestyle. So we begin by saying, your mind is a control tower. So you have to decide how you're going to live your life and what you're going to see, what you're going to read, and what you're going to look at, and so forth. And... Um, we said we make choices. And I think about that 119th Psalm, a couple of verses I'm sure I learned a long time ago. In the 119th Psalm and the uh, ninth verse says, how can, a young man, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it, listen, according to your word. How can you keep your way pure? Keeping it according to your word. Then he says in the um, later verse, ninth, 11th verse, your word have I treasured in my heart that I might not sin against God. Treasure it. Not just drop it in. Treasure it. Super abundantly. Overflowing. Overflowing in our heart. The living Word of God. Because what that means is up in the control tower is truth. And the control tower is the right sense of direction. The control tower, you're evaluating things as they are, not as they appear to be. And the control tower is what you're thinking. Uh, there are consequences to sin. Whatever I do today, I'll reap tomorrow. In other words, you're going to be thinking right. Super abundantly, as he says, extravagantly. So, if there is some particular area of your life in which you're having a real problem, ask yourself the question, where did that come from? It didn't come from this extravagantly awesome word of truth in my mind and heart. And if it doesn't fit that, it doesn't fit me. And remember this, you decide who you want to be. You decide what you want to accomplish. You decide how you want to live all right here. You decide whether you want to be accepted or rejected. You make a lot of decisions in your life all right here. And remember, right here is a battlefield in your life. Satan wants to pull you one way, God the other. Satan has never done you any good. He's lied to you deceived you and made you promises not a single one of them has ever come true but the deception he says you'll enjoy this but what he doesn't tell you is you'll enjoy it only for a season there are consequences there is a cost there's a payday someday you have to decide right there what kind of life you're going to live what kind of future you're going to have and he says, if you're wise, you'll make right decisions. You'll ask those questions that I gave you. 
about situations that arise in your life and in the process of making a decision. It's my prayer you make the right decision, a wise decision, and you'll be glad. Praise God. May his soul rest in peace. If this reflection on the life of Dr. Charles Stanley was a blessing to you, type amen in the comments below. Yo, P. Stay ready. It's the new swag, baby. Woke up this morning and I told myself, not gonna worry about what I cannot help. People dying innocently, hate is spreading rapidly. I'm not talking apathy, but some things God's gotta
ain't telling you what I read. I'm telling you what I know. God's got it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I always forget it. I always forget it. J. Moss this morning and God's got it. And uh, he's saying he's not going to worry about what's in the bank, uh, what's in his gas tank, you know, in his car, you know, as far as the gas go that he needs to go in his car. He's not going to worry about groceries, nothing, no bills, because God got it. Once we take it to the Lord, go before the throne of grace and make our petition known unto Almighty God, we walk away believing. We walk away trusting. We walk away with patience because if they say the bill is due on the third and you may not have the money to the 20th, you trust God because guess what? He's got a way of having them to wait. He's got a way of fixing it where they, they, they won't come and cut nothing off. They won't come and bother nothing. I was in Birmingham, Alabama. I lived there for a few years on 41st Street out Airport Road. And uh, my electric was due. I didn't have the money. I prayed about it, and I went on. And had I not had children, I I could have really just lived without electric. I wasn't doing nothing all that be other than hot water, and we had gas. So I had hot water to bathe and cook and all this kind of thing. But anyway, I had children, so I had to get that electric straightened out. So... Prayed the prayer of faith, went on about my business. And uh, I talked to my niece. She said, let's go pay that bill. <laughs> so we went on over there to pay the bill. The lady said the bill had already been paid. I want you to hear me good now. We looking at each other. What? I said, but ma'am, they turned my electric off. She said, well, we're going to get them right back over there and turn it on today. Because your bill has been paid. I said, ma'am, can you tell me who paid the bill? She said, I can't. I, we, don't, we don't see a name on here who paid the bill. The bill, just, you just don't owe any money for electric. Do y'all hear that? I went on home. When the electric first got shut off because of the children, I wanted to, you know, hover up and make a move. But concerning me, I had prayed about it. I was through. Yeah, I was through. And moving on in Jesus. Hallelujah. But he's that kind of God that we can but wait on him. Have patience. Believe him. Trust him. Have patience. It's already all right in Jesus' name. And you know, a lot of times people hear the word, just like he said this morning. They hear the word, but they don't apply it. And maybe they don't know how to apply it. But if he say, don't do this, then I'm not doing it. That's how I apply the word. I don't know how others apply it. If he say, trust me with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, that's what I do. I don't trust myself. I trust him. Lord, you said to trust you. And this and this is due and that and that needs. And Lord, I want money. And you said to trust you. And lean not to my own understanding. And all my ways acknowledge you. You're going to 
to raise my pet. I'm, 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 <laughs> Lord, I'm putting it in your hands. God, I, I'm delighting myself in you. I'm trusting you. Whatever it is, I'm, I'm telling him all about it. And I go on. And sometimes that thing going to come back to you two, three times, but like in a second. Remember your dishes, you remember that, remember this. You said you were going to pay that for them people. You said all of that is just remember that. I walk away from it all. And I'm not going to entertain it in my mind. He come to steal, the devil come to steal, kill, and destroy. He'll steal your mind. He'll steal it. Guess what? He'll kill it. Well, he'll steal it, kill it, and destroy it. Your mind, yeah. you just talking all kind of out your head. And you think you're really saying something. And you're talking crazy. Because he stole it, killed it, and destroyed it. But God is the only one who can get it back and, and give you a new mind. He's going to put that old one back in there, the devil done destroy it. All lights out, no power to your mind, that old mind. So he gives you a new mind. But we got to apply the word of God. If he say forgive, we got to find a way to forgive. If he said to love, we got to find a way to love. He wouldn't have said it if it could not be done. He said it because it could be done. And we want to do everything through him our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because doing it through him, it matters the most. It carries clout. It carries power. When we stand before God, these are days that you're going to get credit for all of this right here. You did it through the Son. If you believe on him, you won't perish, but you'll have everlasting life. Who, who are you talking about, Barbara, the Son of God? Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only way to heaven. He's the only way to get to the Father, Almighty God. He's the only way. There's no other way. And the scripture says, if you try to come any other way, you come as a thief and a robber. You got to come straight in through Jesus Christ, the Son of the true and living God. He so loved us, he sent the Son. This Son had integrity. His, uh, his only begotten Son because he could trust this man right he can trust the son because they are one. <laughs> I thank God this morning. Thank him for his love, his grace. Most of all, I thank God for his mercy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. There's none like him. Grace and mercy fixes it. Yeah. And because he loves us, that's what he gives us. He, he, he make a way that we can get out of no way. Yeah, he, he, he does all of this. I, I'm too happy with it. I decided to make Jesus my choice. I'm going all the way. I, I, all the way. Yeah, I think it was Mike Patton and Whitehead that said, ain't no stopping me now. <laughs> oh, I didn't taste and saw that the Lord is good. And there I taste and see that he's good. I can, I can recline out on the couch talking to him. I can be watching a movie on TV talking to him. I'm watching a movie, but I'm really not knowing what, what's happening on the movie. I'm talking to him. 
having breakfast, I'm talking to him. I can do all of this. He made it possible. We don't have to be in a special place with our head covered, although I like to cover my head when I go down, what we call down in prayer on your knees. I like to be covered. But I don't have to. If I'm at the kitchen, my hair covers my head. If I'm at the kitchen table, I can eat breakfast and talk to him. Again, I don't have to go to no certain place. But we all have a prayer closet. Most of us in the morning when we wake up, that's where we go, straight to the prayer closet to pray. Sometimes we just lay there in bed, I do, and I just tell them, thank you, thank you for another day, and whatever, whatever. But then there are times you got to get in that prayer closet, and you got to tell them all about it. Whatever it may be, his ears are perked up to hear. See, because he's quick to hear, and he told us to be this way, and he's slow to speak. Because he's quick to hear and slow to speak. When he hears, he's going to make sure he got it right before he speaks. Hallelujah. Uh, help me today, Lord. Help me today. Help me to be slow to speak. Quick to hear, but slow to speak. Help me love my enemies. Help me not to move so fast on nothing. Yeah. Because if we can wait, we're going to get the right thing at the right time. At the right place, we're going to put it into the right spot that it will be effective for us. I want what makes me better, what makes me a better person. I want what makes me a better child of God, that I'm walking up right before him, and he knows the very intent of my heart, and it's not with evil for anybody. Yeah, I need him to help me. When there's time I need to forgive, I want to forgive quickly. Yeah, I don't want to linger in the area of forgiveness. If he don't forgive, if we don't forgive, he can't forgive us. And I want all the forgiveness from him that I need. Yeah. So it's all right this morning. All right, I'm going to this one request. And uh, when we come back, the studio is open if you have something you would like to say this morning, please feel free and press that number one and come in or tell us something about what Dr. Charles Stanley said that uh, you know about or, you know, you did know about, but now you know. Share, share. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. You know, sometimes in life, situations are going to occur where you may look to the left or the right and you can't find any answers and you can't find anybody to help you. But I'm reminded of the word that says, they that wait upon the Lord, he shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Come on. You got to learn how to wait. I don't mind waiting I don't mind waiting I don't mind waiting On you, Lord I don't mind 
Ms. Juanita Bynum this morning, and I don't mind waiting on the Lord. You know, a lot of times we, we may think that and we may even say it, but is it really true in our lives? Do we not mind waiting on God? Are, are we patient in our waiting on him? Because he's coming to see about us. He's coming to see about what we're talking about. He's coming to answer that request that you have for him. But do you mind waiting on him? Because we, we are quick people. We want everything just that fast, just that fast, just that fast. Yeah. We don't really want to wait on him. But we must learn to wait on God. That's why I, and, and, and you know, sometimes it, it hurts your feelings because you doesn't did what God said. You told them what God told you to tell them. And they, they don't, evidently, they don't believe it. They don't focus on what he said. They don't meditate on what he, they don't even remember what he said. They just keep going in themselves. Listen, every morning for a while now, I've been saying this. We got to have faith in God. We got to trust God. And we got to have patience to wait on him. And if we don't have that, we, we can't get what he has for us because we're trying to rush something. We we aggravated, we frustrated, we trying to get what we're trying to get, but he said, wait and be of good courage. And he shall, it's a promise, strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. But it's the deal. We can't wait. It's getting on my nerves. I can't stand it. God said he was going to deliver your husband. He's still hanging out with the boys. Now, he's not hanging out with the boys that hang out with women because he's hanging out with married men, and they're not hanging out to deal with women. They're over there fixing on uh, Joe's car from 1957. Neither one of them really know what they're doing. They're not professional mechanics. So it takes them some time to figure things out, and they're over there <laughs> talking about each other. Man, you said you could put the radiator in. You put it in backwards. Well, I got it in, but, man, you got to turn it around, that kind of stuff. He enjoying himself with his friend, and he don't do it every day. He might do it on a Saturday afternoon. You don't have nothing planned. You home cleaning. Or you, you, you out at the flea market somewhere shopping. And he went on over there and hung out with Joe now. I'm sick of this every weekend. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of that. Go to the Lord in prayer. Believe God, trust God, and have the patience to wait. He'll come in there one Saturday and say, yeah, Joe never wanted me to come over there, but I'm not going over there this Saturday. Then you say you want me to move that couch. You, you, you ready to move it? Let me know when you're ready to move the couch. I move the chair, too. You say you want the chair moved. Everything you said, he, 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 he ready now. But you had to wait. I just use that as an example. But you had to wait. But we don't want to wait for nothing. And we can get ugly when we get ready now. Oh, boy, look here. We mm, Y'all don't know about it. Yeah. Uh, 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 okay, Sister Jerry, I have a... Wait a minute. Hold on here, Jerry Crowd. I'm trying to see if I got this other testimony in here. I didn't think I had it in, but maybe I do. Okay, uh, give me a few minutes, Sister Jerry, and I'm coming right at you. Let me go to this one 
uh, testimony right here. And then we're coming back. You'll have time. You'll have time. All right. So today is going to be a very different video. And I'm definitely nervous to do this video. Um, but I feel like God is asking me to do this. And I'm just doing it out of obedience. Um, so today I'm going to be sharing my full testimony of how I came to know Jesus. And... Just like my whole story, like the whole journey, how I know God is real. And yeah, so let's just get right into the story because honestly, guys, this is probably going to be a long video. I'm going to warn you now, um, but I know that this is going to help people who have gone through what I've gone through. And I know that there's a reason why God wants me to share this story with all of you guys. So um, I'm going to get straight into it. So to kind of understand my background and my story, I'm literally going to go to the beginning. Uh, so I grew up as Catholic. And so I went to Catholic school. I went to church, but really um, just with the school. Like, you know, I did my sacraments um, because it was something that you just did. You know what I mean? And so growing up, like as a little kid, I did believe in God, right? Like, I would pray to God at night. That was probably the only time I ever prayed, um, you know, before going to sleep. And I truly believed like I was talking to God and I really did believe in God. I always had this belief in God. But one thing about me, like growing up, is like from a very, very young age, I always just believed that I wasn't smart or wasn't good enough. And so I never tried in school. I didn't like school. I never tried in school. Um, I never put effort into things, and so because I just believed the lies, you know, now looking back, it was the lies of the enemy, um, but I didn't know that at the time, and so because I never really cared about school, you know, I never listened in any of the classes, like even like religion class, didn't really pay attention, so I didn't really know much when it comes to what it means to be Catholic and, and Jesus and all this stuff, right? Um, I never read the Bible until my 30s, okay, so you get an idea. Um, I literally was just, you know, going to Catholic school, and I went to church the few times that I did go, um, simply because, like, I grew up in a Catholic family. So I felt like I believed in God, but I didn't really know what it meant to follow Jesus and never even read the Bible myself. Like, I would hear verses here and there because of church, um, maybe sometimes in class, but never actually like tried to learn myself. Like, you know, once I stopped going to Catholic school, that's really like I didn't go to church anymore at all because most of the time I went was with school anyways, if that makes sense. And so um, not being connected at all through a community um, just really made me go away from God, right? Because as I got older, like after high school, I really just started to have thoughts. In college and stuff, people would just kind of be like, oh, you know, you believe in that because you were born into it, right? Like, I don't know, it was just like these little thoughts that would come in my head, like, is this actually real? Because maybe I only believe that God is real because I was born into a Catholic family where they're the ones that, like, told me that this is what we need to believe. You know what I'm saying? So I was kind of questioning if God was even real, you know. In college and as I was getting older, like in my 20s and stuff, 
honestly, I didn't have any connection to God at all. Like, I remember I stopped praying at night, wasn't going to church at all, obviously wasn't going to school where they kind of taught you about it a little bit, um, finished, like, the sacraments or whatever. Like, I just wasn't doing anything related to God anymore. And so because of that, I just felt like I was drifting away. I don't know if I would say I was atheist, but at one point I probably was. I don't know. It was like this weird thing of like, I think I believe in God, but I'm not sure. And then I didn't even know anything about the Bible. So it's not like I ever really knew much. Like I only knew a little bit about what I learned in school, right? Um, so I knew very little, if that makes sense. Basically, I just knew a lot of Christians who believed in God, but were living like the world lives, you know? Um, they weren't really on fire for God, and I didn't really know anyone that was. And so I never had this desire to really build a relationship with God and, and get to know him, if that makes sense, you know, because we're just out here living like the world. <laughs> and so whatever I society thought was normal, I thought was normal because I just didn't know better. It was like ignorance, if that makes sense. Because I went to an all-girl Catholic school for high school, and as soon as I got out, went to college, I was just like, I don't know, I had this really deep desire to be in a relationship, right? Like, I was really badly wanting to be in a relationship. I remember, like, any kind of guys that gave me attention after, like, leaving the all-girls school, it was just like, I loved the attention, you know, kind of a thing. And I was just, like, so badly just wanting to be in a relationship. Um, and so, long story short, I got into a relationship, like, my first boyfriend when I was 19, that's kind of when I feel like everything kind of went downhill. Um, basically, I was getting into this relationship, and because I was so used to, like, what society says is normal and everything, you know, sex before marriage, like, I would hear that growing up, like, oh, you're not supposed to have sex before marriage. But yet, every Christian that I knew was doing that. You know what I mean? Like, they weren't actually saving themselves for marriage. Um, and so I never had examples of people that actually did that, you know what I mean? Unless they were like older people and then people of our generation would be like, oh, that's something that they did back in the day, you know? Um, so in society, it's very, very normal to have sex before marriage. And so I was going into like relationships thinking that that's normal, you know, going into relationships. I never had that intention of, oh, I'm going to wait until marriage. It was kind of like already just known like, I was just kind of following what society says is normal. And so, uh, for me, getting into a relationship, I remember thinking, well, like, this is going to lead to sex, but, you know, this is obviously going to happen um, now that I'm getting involved with guys. And so, for me, that's kind of where the addiction and the problem started, okay? So, my addiction was pornography. And so, this all started as curiosity, just kind of like, okay, I know that this is what's going to happen now that I'm getting into relationships. And it's just like, I don't understand, like, you know, what does that even look like? So out of curiosity, I went to porn to kind of see, like, what's, what is sex, you know? <laughs> like, what the heck is this thing? Uh, like, what happens? Like, I don't want to be surprised and things of that nature. So it started with curiosity, slowly turned into an addiction, and I just didn't realize. Uh, but anyways, let's rewind a little bit there. 
Um, but that's kind of how it started, right? And then, of course, that led to being sexually active in relationships, um, things of that nature. Obviously, I didn't tell people that I was watching porn, obviously, for, like, shame, like, one of those things that you do that people don't know about. Like, you don't go around just telling people that, you know what I mean? Um, like, my boyfriend, people that, you know, I had relationships with, they knew, but they didn't care, you know? And so it was just like a normal thing. And back then, I used to think it was a normal thing, but it was like one of those things, especially like as a girl, I feel like it's like one of those things that everyone does, but we don't talk about kind of a thing, if that makes sense. And maybe I'm like totally wrong here, um, but that's just how I felt at the time. Like I didn't felt like what I was doing was wrong, um, but at the same time, I was still ashamed. It's not like I'd be going around telling people and I feel like that's the thing, like girls wouldn't do that, you know, because they are ashamed. I honestly just got used to watching porn and it just became like a part of my life in a, in a sense. Um, and then of course being sexually active in relationships. So, you know, I struggle with, my struggle was with lust and an addiction to porn. So I didn't realize it was an addiction until later on in life, until my last relationship and then like I was like we were very open we talked about everything and which I wasn't used to that was like my first relationship where I was really open with somebody and so he was kind of like the one that kind of brought it to my attention he's just like uh I think this is probably excessive and I was just like oh really and then I started to realize like I tried to stop you know I tried to stop watching it and I realized I actually couldn't stop. And that's when I knew that there was a problem and that I needed to fix this. Uh, but during this time, right, while I'm, you know, kind of separating from God, plus getting into issues of lust and pornography and sex before marriage and all this kind of stuff, um, basically around this time, you know, I was debating if God was even real. You no, know, I never felt convicted by what I was doing because I just did I wasn't close to God in any way at that point in my life, like in my twenties, right? Now, fast forward to my last relationship. This is kind of where everything started to change. Okay. And it was a journey. It didn't like change overnight. Um, but basically we were having some conversations, like me and my ex, my last boyfriend, we were having conversations about God and we were kind of like debating you know like is god real is it not because it was kind of like the same thing for him like he always believed but at the same time he'd always questioned every like he questions everything he's very open-minded and questions everything and um so we were kind of having this debate long story short he had some people that we he worked with at the time who was really encouraging him to go to their church um so i'm catholic but he was Protestant, right? So he's Christian, but never went to, like, he wasn't Catholic, right? And so, anyways, these people were telling him to go to this church and were teaching him, like, all these different principles, like, because these are people that he looked up to that were successful, things of that nature, and he's just, like, they were telling him about tithing and things of that nature, and he's just, like, what's that all about? And so he started to learn about all these things, and, um, he was just like, you know what, I'm going to go and all that. So at that time, we were long distance, right? I was coming to stay with him for a few months. And so it literally happened all around that same time. And so he was like, I'm going to start going to this church. 
um, you know, like he wanted to explore this. Long story short, we slowly kind of started to agree that, like, yeah, God is real. And long story short, he started going to this church. Um, and while I was staying with him, I also was attending church with him. And so it was very interesting because it wasn't like church that I was used to. He liked it. Like, it wasn't like I thought it was strange, you know. I was very open-minded, and I was just like, okay, this is different. Like, I remember walking in, and, like, I had walked into, like, a Protestant church before, but it was, like, a different type of denomination, I think. Um, so it wasn't, like, completely foreign to me, I guess, but, like, this was me actually intentionally going, you know? So it was different. And I just remember, like, being intrigued because there was, like, you know, everyone was worshiping, and, like, we went in, and it was, like, worship time. And then the sermon was, like, was, like, so long but so good. Like, I remember going and just thinking, like, wow, I learned so much, you know, because I didn't really know much about the Bible. I didn't really know much. And so I felt like I was learning so much by attending, um, going to church with him. So those three months that I was there, we were going to church, like, every Sunday. I felt like, honestly, I had so much interest to get closer to God. Um, it was, like, the first time that I got a Bible it was like the first time that I really felt like I wanted to build a relationship with God and get close to God. And so I remember like my trip was coming to an end and I remember like thinking like, okay, God, like, um, like I really do believe in you now and I really want to go down this path and all this kind of stuff. Um, but now it's time for me to go back to Canada and I don't know what to do. Like I want to go to church, but I'm just like, do I go to Catholic church? Cause that's what I'm used to. Like, do I go to my family parish or do I find like a Protestant church out here? And I was just like, I don't really know what to do. And so long story short, I just felt led to go to my church. So, um, I just went to a church that my parents go to, right? Like the parish that they go to. And so I was just going to my regular church. Cause at the end of the day, I don't know, to me, it wasn't a big deal. Um, like, it didn't matter to me if I went to Catholic church or Protestant church at that time, you know? Like, it was just, like, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Like, we all believe in Jesus, and so, like, it's all good. And I genuinely do like attending Mass, um, like, Catholic Mass. And I also enjoyed attending Protestant Mass. So, like, I like them both. So, to me, it was, like, I was kind of indifferent, in a sense. Um, and so, I was just like, okay, whatever. Something inside me was just, like, just go to your parish and so I was just like, okay, cool. So I was going to church there. And at this point, right, I remember my ex was sending me sermons. Like every once in a while, he would send me like a quick sermon. And so this was the first time I was introduced to Transformation Church. He, was, he sent me a sermon from Michael Todd. Um, and it was a series called Relationship Goals. Okay. And so he sent it to me because at this time, which was around COVID time, I think it went viral. Um, and so he was just like, oh, I just saw this, like, you should check it out, whatever. Because he knew that I was really getting into, like, getting close with God and stuff at that time. And so was he. Um, we were on two different journeys, but, you know, at the end of the day, we were both headed that way, right? And so he sent me that sermon. I watched it. And honestly, I, after watching that whole series of relationship goals, like, the Holy Spirit was 100% convicting me, okay? And the thing that the Holy Spirit was convicting me about was at that point to stop having sex before marriage. 
Like, basically, like, the Holy Spirit was just like, you need to stop this, you know? And so I was just like, wow, you know, I didn't know what to do um, for a lot of reasons, and I'm going to talk about them here because hopefully this story helps other people who are going through this. I knew that he probably wasn't convicted like I was, right? So I was concerned about that because I didn't want to ruin our relationship, right? Like, I didn't want to stop seeing him. Um, like, I didn't want that to be the reason why we broke up and things of that nature, right? So I was really, like, worried about it. But something inside me kept on saying, like, you need to do this. You need to bring it up to him, blah, blah. So I would try to, like, bring it up in a slick way and just be like, so, you know, what do you think about this idea kind of a thing? And so I can tell, like, he wasn't convicted like I was at all. And, um, you know, he didn't see any issue in it but I did, right? So the Holy Spirit was convicting me, but not him. It was very challenging because, like, I wanted to get close to God, and I was feeling convicted, but at the same time, I didn't want to lose my relationship and have this affect my relationship. And so ultimately, what I did was ignore it. Like, I was just ignoring the Holy Spirit. Around that time in the relationship, you know, I was, again, slowly going away from God because at this point I'm convicted, but I'm not doing anything about it. So I felt bad about it. That's just the truth. So slowly and slowly, I just stopped like, you know, I was going to church less. I started praying less. I started to watch less sermons or homilies online, um, you know, things like that. He ended up breaking up with me. And that's, when like obviously I was heartbroken by it and um you know it's interesting because at that point you would think okay well there's a barrier right between me and God is now gone essentially right and so what's so crazy is that after he broke up with me instead of getting closer to God I actually was still drifting more and more away right like around that time I feel like I was kind of almost getting into like the new agey stuff, like a lot of reading about like manifesting um, and like trying to manifest the future of your dreams and money and all this kind of stuff. Like we still remained friends. And so he was still sending me, like I remember he sent me a sermon again. And I remember thinking like, oh no, I don't want to watch this stuff. Like I was avoiding all, anything to do with God at that time because I felt condemned. You know, like I felt condemned by God at that time. And it was simply because like I continued to deny him. Like I continued to say no. Um, like even after, you know, my boy, my ex-boyfriend broke up with me, I remember thinking like, I remember having this one thought in my head like, okay, well, why aren't you watching this? You know, like why don't you want to watch the sermon? And why aren't you now living God's way? You know, like you should be waiting until marriage. And I remember having thoughts in my head like, it's actually going to be difficult. And I was thinking like, there's no guys out here that actually be waiting until marriage. Like, I'm never, I'm going to be alone for like the rest of my life. And like a part of me still cared about being in a relationship, right? Like ultimately, I didn't want to be alone. And so I was afraid of that because I was just like, I don't know any guys at all who are waiting until marriage, and I don't even know if they exist. You know, that was my mindset at the time. And so I did have that concern. And so I was saying no again. Like, I literally said no to God again. Sorry.
Um, I'm trying not to cry, okay? Uh, but yeah, so I said no to God again. And I was getting, again, further away from him and was really starting to get into this new age stuff. So after that, there was a while, you know, a few months of me just like not getting close to, like getting further away from God, making that decision that, you know, that's it. Like I'm, I'm just going to live like the world pretty much. Um, I'm not going to get close to God anymore. Like I was taking, like taking that back, even though I was starting to get close to God, I was reverting back. Right. And so, oh yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about. Okay. So during that relationship, like before he broke up with me, right. During that time is when I stopped watching porn, right. Because he brought it to my attention that I was addicted to it and it was too much. It was too excessive and things of that nature, because like I was, I was watching it like every single day, all the time, right? And so I was just like, okay, like I realized this is a problem and it's going to be a problem for our relationship. So I need to stop. And I did, it took me a while, like it wasn't like overnight, um, but I did eventually stop watching the porn. Now I stopped watching the porn, but the thing is, is that the one thing I continued to do was like masturbation right so like that didn't stop even though I stopped watching the porn and the reason why I'm telling you guys this is because it's part of the story okay I'm not wanting to share these details with you guys I just have to because it's part of the story um but basically so I stopped watching it right so during that relationship that already stopped but I still struggled with like lust and I still you know at the end of the day like porn has a lot of um bad consequences and it really messes up with your mind and your heart. One thing that I couldn't stop doing was the masturbation. Like I had a really hard time stopping that part, right? And so I remember when we broke up, like that continued, if, if anything, that just kind of accelerated because I was getting further away from God. And then um, we, I no longer was in a relationship, so I didn't have to like worry about other people. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Um, so it just accelerated that part. And I remember like thinking like, this is too much. Like I need to stop doing this. Like I was convicted again. And so I was like, it's not enough to stop watching the porn, like actually physically watching it. Like you need to stop the masturbation and stop these thoughts that are coming in, like these inappropriate, disgusting thoughts, you know, like you need to get that a handle on that. So I was able to get a handle on it to a certain point, right? And um, the rest, I was really struggling with it. And so anyone that has an addiction knows how hard it is to break those chains and to stop these, like, old habits. And so it was really hard for me. Um, I remember, like, once I was single, right, like, after he broke up with me, I was single. I was getting away from God because I was saying no to him again. Um, and, you know, obviously realizing now that I also struggled with the masturbation part, so... Um, you know, saying no to that was also too hard. And so I was just like, I can't kind of a thing, right? I remember just feeling like, you know, this new age stuff, like it's just not fulfilling. Like I don't feel good. Like it's just not it, you know? I just felt like I was headed in the wrong direction. And so I honestly was just like, I need to, I don't know, something inside me was just pushing me towards God again, you know? And so I remember, too, because I was using COVID as an excuse of why I was not going to church. 
And so at the time, like there was a new priest who kind of took over that parish. And um, I guess he would like check up on me every once in a while. And I remember like, I remember encountering him once at the church and he was just like, oh, you're too busy to come to church now or something like there was just a comment. And I was feeling convicted, like, okay, I need to start going to church again. So I'm so glad he did that, that he pushed me because it helped so much. You know, I started to watch sermons again online, sermons and homilies and all that stuff. I started to go to church again, slowly. And yeah, like I just felt like getting close to God again. And so I was doing that. And so I just remember like trying with my own will to stop the whole masturbation thing, right? Like I was like, okay, you really need to stop this because this is not, you know that this is not what God wants. And so um, basically I was just like, okay, let me try. And I remember like, I would like be like a whole month and I wouldn't, and I would be like so proud of myself. And I'm like, see, I can do this. And then I would fall, you know? And then I would do it again and it would be like three months. And it's just like, yeah, I could do this. And then I would fall. Um, and so I was just like, man, this is crazy. You know, I remember this time where I was at church and I remember the priest just kept on pushing, like, come to confession, come to confession, come to confession. And so I don't know, something inside me was just like, I think I need to go to confession. Right. Um, and so I was just like, you know what, I'm going to do it. So I remember just texting him being like, can we book an appointment? I want to do a confession, like a true confession. And so we booked an appointment. I went and that moment honestly was life changing. So at this point I was getting closer to God again. Um, I finally went to confession and did a true confession. Like I've, I've done confession before, like going to Catholic school, we would do that and you'd have to do it before um, certain sacraments and stuff. And so I went, but I would always just say like the same things over and over again. And I wouldn't tell anyone what I was actually struggling with, you know, like I was just too embarrassed. Like I didn't have the guts to do it. And so I never did a real true confession. And so this time I went, I did a true confession. Like I literally like had a, like I wrote it all down and I was just explaining it to him. And um, literally that confession was life changing, honestly. Uh, like real deliverance happened there you know God was truly there and sorry I said I wasn't gonna cry <laughs> okay so I remember going home after the confession coming back uh, reading the passages he told me to read in the Bible and praying and I finally gave my life to God I was just like you know what I give up I give up all these struggles. I can't do it without you. Like I've been trying so hard by myself and trying to do it with my own will, but I know I can't, like I can't, I can't stop. And I want to stop. I want to stop, but I can't. And I was just like, God, I give you my life. I'm going to stop. I'm not going to have sex before marriage. I give you my life. I want to do life your way. Um, you know, I'm really struggling with this, with the lusting and masturbation and stuff. Like, please help me renew my mind. Help, like, renew my heart. Fix my heart. Fix me. Like, I give it all to you because I can't take it anymore. Honestly, guys, this is why I know God is real. Like, you can't tell me otherwise because after that day, 
I never had a problem with masturbation again. And slowly and slowly, my mind was just like truly renewed. Like, it was like a miracle. Like anyone who has suffered, who's had an addiction, they understand what I'm talking about. It's not easy to get out of. Like you can try as much as you want and you'll see some improvement. But until I gave my life to God, until I gave it to God, that is when I truly got delivered. The chains were broken. Like I actually, like things actually started to change. And it wasn't me. I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. It was all God. That's how I know he's real. Okay. Okay. I'm just trying to calm down. So, yeah. After that, after giving my life to God, everything changed. Like, he started to reveal his love for me. I started to realize so much. Like, I realized looking back that I was trying to fill this hole inside of me with people, you know, with, like, relationships and people. And I was trying to be loved by people. Or I was trying to, you know, be successful and, like, go after money. And, like, I was going after all these things that I thought would make me happy. And I heard this from Michael Todd. This was the first place I heard it. Um, Because I do listen to Transformation Church and Michael Todd and stuff. And so the first time I heard him say, you know, we all have a God hole that can only be filled by God and nobody else, right? Like our happiness cannot depend on other people, on things, on money, on your career or whatever, your achievements, whatever it is that you think are going to make you happy, right? Like it can only be filled by God. And I fully like experienced it. You know, like, I've never felt so at peace and so happy in my whole life. And I thought that I needed to be married, that I needed to be in a relationship, that I needed money, that I needed to be successful, that I needed to be somebody. You know, I struggled and still struggle a little bit with, you know, not feeling worthy and needing to um, be loved by other people and things of that nature, like just proving myself to other people all the time, like proving my worth to other people and even to myself. And so, you know, like God is literally the answer. Okay, guys, (laughs) that's kind of where I'm at right now. This was literally a year ago that that first confession happened and I felt like I really been delivered and, you know, really felt the presence of God and just, you know, now having a relationship with him is the best thing ever. And I just like, I honestly feel like I genuinely feel like I've only just tasted a little bit of God's love, just a little bit. And it's so overwhelming. Like it's the most amazing thing ever. And um, I just wish everybody could experience that. So I hope my story encourages someone to not give up. To not give up and to keep pursuing God, even though you keep on falling. 
okay? God wants you in his life. God wants to love you even though, I think about it, even in my story, I said no to him so many times. I was so unfaithful to him, but he kept chasing after me. He kept chasing after me, and then he delivered me from my addiction. Things that I could never do on my own. Like, it was by his power. Like, there's nothing else. There's no other way to explain it. Like, I literally tried for years, years, years. And I couldn't do it by myself. And that's what I realized. Like, I cannot do anything by myself. Like, I need God in my life. And I hope that this story shows you guys that you are not alone. God is always chasing after you no matter what, no matter how many no's. He's chasing after you because he wants a relationship with you. And true happiness and fulfillment and all of that comes from God. Nothing else but God and a relationship with God. So I just pray and I hope that every single person watching this can, you know, hopefully take something away from this and just chase after him, seek after him. All you have to do is just seek after him and then things will slowly start to happen, okay? And it's not going to always be like an overnight thing. Like, yes, my addiction to the masturbation and stuff, like it literally, like after that confession and giving my life to God, he just like delivered me. Like it was just like an overnight thing, that part. But everything else was like, it took time, it was a journey, and everyone's story is different. So for some people, it's not going to be that fast. For other, like for other people, it might be a journey, it might take time. So just don't give up. Just keep seeking after God, and you will see the fruits of that. Honestly, guys, I think that's the whole story. I don't know if there's anything, I hope I didn't miss anything, but... You know, the point is, is that I hope this helps somebody and I hope this encourages you to seek after God, to not give up on that pursuit because he's not going to give up on you. And if you are someone who's struggling with any kind of addiction, it doesn't matter what the addiction is, just know it's not possible for you to do it on your own, but with the power of God, you can get over it, right? Like you can really break those chains and really be delivered from that. Um, you just have to keep seeking after him and he will help, you know, pray and ask for the help, surrender your life to him. Like, I just can tell you guys what happened to me, you know, that sin was keeping me away from God. Once I actually made that decision in my heart that this is real God, like I'm actually going to stop and I'm choosing you and I'm not choosing anybody else except for you. I truly put you first. You will see things start to happen. It might not be overnight, right? It might take years. Who knows? But it will. If you keep on pursuing God, you will see the fruits of that. And so I just want to encourage you guys, and I pray for you guys, that you guys seek out God, and you don't give up on the journey, and you will see the fruits of that. And I think that is everything. And, yeah, that's it. Good morning, Sister Jerry. God bless you. How are you this morning? Unmute, unmute your phone, Sister Jerry.
I'm doing it. I'm sorry. I apologize. No Good problem. morning, Sister Barbara. How are you? I am blessed. Yes, we are. We are blessed. We are very, very blessed. I just thank God. I thank God for the music. I don't mind waiting. I thank God for the testimony of a young lady. It's not easy to do testimonies without being a little nervous. I could feel how she felt. I've tried Catholic. I've tried Presbyterian. I've tried all the religions because after my mother died, and it just came to my mind, I stopped going to church because the pastor, and we had been to that church since I was a little girl, and he had, we had received a new pastor, and I felt like he didn't know my mom, and he did her eulogy, but he went and opened up the church at my mother's funeral. The devil used you. I didn't go back to the after, to the, I didn't go back to that church, not even to go back to thank the pastor for her eulogy. He sent me a card and said he hoped all is well. I told the card up. I was so angry. I went to Trinity Baptist Church. I went to this church. I went to the Christ Church. I went to, but one morning I woke up and I said, you know what? I think I'm going to try this Catholic thing. And I did, but it was so different. And I know they say you don't have to confess your sins to the priest, but I was doing closed-door confession, written confession. One morning God said, do open confession, and it's time to stop hiding. I felt like, well, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm just being me. But just hearing her speak, that day I went in and said, Father Blake, I come to give my confession. You say, uh, when you tell that confession, I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have sinned in my ways and in my thoughts, the things I've done and the things I refuse to do. And I ask the Blessed Mother and you, my Father, to forgive me. And I, the more I kept saying forgive me, the more I cried. It was like I was washing out my sin. But now I still haven't been back to church in a while, but I still talk to God every afternoon. I have this wind in my room, and it's like God is beaming his sun on my face, even when it's raining. And I say, God, I do love you, but my life is a wreck. There's some days I'm so depressed. I can barely get out of bed. It depresses me so much, I don't even want to drink water. And water is something I live for. Yesterday, my stylist came and said, uh-uh. No, 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 no. Not Miss Penny dropping, heel hopping, Jerry. This depressed? What's wrong, Jerry? 
I just coming up on Mother's Day, and one person I really love is Stone. And my children cannot stand me. She hugged me and cried. She said, you think my children love me? <laughs> but I thought about it all night. And this morning around about 2 o'clock, I heard God say, I love you, and I've heard you. It's not nothing that you're doing or not doing. I'm taking you to this trial so when you are faced with it again, you won't make those mistakes. You just won't make those mistakes. He said, you remember when you skipped school and your mother was standing at the door waiting on you to come through the back door of the school? I bust out laughing. He said, but you never made that mistake again. You did it bold. You walked through the front door. You saw her at the back door. You waited for the bell to ring, and you walked out the back door right by her. And she said, you in school? I said, oh, you here to pick me up today? No, no, and I just walked through the front door. Lies, lies, and lies. But I'm working on it. I don't have a porn problem or masturbation problem. I don't even have a desire problem for men. I just have a problem of, as my oldest son would say, you need to keep it real. So I asked God, what am I not keeping real? He said, you won't go out the house. You are afraid to go out the house. Why am I afraid to go out the house, Lord? He said, ask yourself that. Because the closer it got for you to come today, Bob, I said, I don't think I want to go. He said, you're going. Get up now. I just got up the shower. But I got to find out why am I afraid to come out the house. When I come out, I feel good. But when I avoid going out, I just don't want to move. I don't want to drink water. I don't even want to take my depression medication. Okay, I have no idea why I'm so sad. Okay, have you considered if you are applying the word of God to your life every day, have you really considered that? And are you applying his word to your life daily? His word says you're healed, you're filled, and you have the victory. Well, that's what I was going to be talking with you about when we got together. Okay, well, we'll get together. It's not that I'm doing sinful things. God, I don't do nothing. I get up in the morning drink some water, and lay back down. But, Jerry, there are some things, Jerry, Jerry, there are some things in there that you got to realize what you're doing. But we'll talk about that Mm -hmm. after the show. We'll talk about that after the show. Right, I'll see you later, because I really don't know what I'm doing. Maybe I'm putting cabin before myself and God. Well, no, no, listen, Jerry, Jerry. You're letting the flesh abide. You're not letting the spirit of God abide, and you're not letting his word do the work for you. You're abiding. You're trying to change things. You're trying to do this. No, let God do it. If he don't do it, have the patience to wait on him until he does. Yeah. We'll we'll talk after the show. Yeah, we'll talk later. But I want to let you know, great show. 
great show. I was listening very carefully. It's not what she was saying, like she was saying. It's hard to under. I know the words. Oh yeah, blah, 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 blah. that's not it. I need to learn how to apply the word. There you go. Okay. Yeah, yeah we'll talk after the show how to apply it. We'll talk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And God is faithful. He's yet on your side in yes, spite of whatever go on, whatever you think. And sometimes we thinking too much. We, we thinking too much oh. on the wrong thing. See, like Dr. Uh, I, say, I know that's it. And we'll talk. But I want right. to say thank you, Barbara, for her confession because I understand what you were saying. Okay. All right. Love God. everybody. Hello, Brother Louie and everybody else that's listening. Good morning. I'm not Anthony. I don't remember my own children's names. So that's pretty bad. It's okay. But I love everybody. And if I don't get to speak to anybody before Mother's Day, all the mothers out there, happy Mother's Day. All right, we're going to move on with this one right here, and then we're going to pray out this morning. Thank you. 
spreading the love worldwide. www.jesusinthemorningradio.com Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's pray and uh, we pray the Lord bring us back tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for another episode of Jesus in the Morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for all that has been said and done. We come before you as we depart this morning, asking that you would fix our hearts and regulate our minds in you today. Father, help us to gird up the loins of our mind in you and in your word. Help us to remember what your word says and apply it. Do what it says. Simply do what your word said to do. No contemplating, no buts, no ifs, no ands about it. Just do it. And, Father, we thank you. We give you glory. We give you the honor and the praise this morning for making ways for us, uh, for putting everything we need in our path. We need prayer. We need your word, oh God. We need to follow you. Hallelujah. Allow you to lead and guide us in the right path for your name's sake. We thank you this morning. Bless our going out today, Father. Bless our coming in. Meet the need in our lives today according to your riches and glory by your son, Christ Jesus. We give you honor this morning. And Lord, help us today. Help us all today to keep our mind on you. For it's you that will keep us in perfect peace. Help us not to think more of ourselves than we ought to. Help us not to lean to our own understanding. But, Father, in all our ways, help us to acknowledge you. You're going to direct our path. Help us to stay on top of this, Father, in the name of Jesus. Bless your people today, everywhere. Lord, meet the need today, everywhere in their lives, according to your riches and glory by your son, Christ Jesus. Father, today, bless those that stand in need of finance. Lord, stretch their money. Let them get done what they need to get done today in the name of Jesus. We thank you. We give you glory, honor, and praise again. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen and hallelujah. May the Lord watch between me and thee while we are absent one from another in the name of Jesus. Go today in love and peace. Share the good news of Jesus and give someone something of quality. God loves the cheerful giver. Have a blessed day. I speak the blessings of Almighty God upon you today, April the 3rd, 2023, in Jesus' name. So I'm going to say bye-bye, and this is our last song of the morning, and after this song, I won't be coming back today. And uh, we just thank the Lord that he's able uh, to see us through. We just thank him. We just thank him. We need him. We need him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Hey. Hey. I'm coming on over there. What time are you going to be ready? Because I'm waiting on Walmart to drop me some stuff out between 10 I'm, I'm trying to get ready now. Okay. All right. Well, I'll be on over there in a little while. No, it wasn't too much. I just didn't want you to add a dirty laundry out there. I'm airing it out. I wasn't going to say nothing bad about what I'm doing because I'm not really doing anything but just protection. Okay. Well, that's, that's, that's a bad thing because that's of the enemy, Jerry. That ain't God. That's the devil. I know it, Barbara. And I lay here and I say, God, now I understand where y'all say God is real. Okay. Help me get over this. And when I got out the bed, I felt a Okay, okay. I'm 
Brown, Roger, and Cousin from school, I just can't do that. Oh, my goodness. I do it on the regular thing. Okay. But, and the seed money. And just appreciate And it's like a mother said, give thank you for taking me to get my son and happy mother's day. Okay, well, thank you very much. I, I got you. I got you. I know you said I might keep giving me all this money. Yeah, because I'm like, it's some head bad or what? Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over the limit by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details.